Radio Mano Papachango. Hi Chris, my name is Ricardo. I'm in Portugal. Uh, right now I'm inside my car. I was listening to your podcast while looking at the sky and I was observing a flock of birds flying in a V formation, uh, which is the most efficient way for a bird to fly in a flock. And I thought about cooperation and how your podcast has been truly influential in my life for several months now. So thank you. Thank you for those precious moments. Hey, Chris. Reaching out to you from Colorado. I'm on day eight of isolation. Living alone. Uh, alone through thoughts. It can be um, pretty remarkable. Uh beautiful and and also terrifying um have to think about things that i've been putting off you know like i've had um like four family members commit suicide in a very short amount of time maybe six years apart and uh thinking about hey you know if if we were in a hunter-gatherer society I, i believe they would have prospered you know i think um these are things you gotta gotta go through and process and uh i feel like this is a time of healing and um want to let everybody know you know you're not alone out there um in any way possible you can reach out and help someone else and uh if we're gonna get through this thing we're gonna get through it together hi chris and all the listeners out there my name is jack and i am a cuban citizen living in cuba right now I've been thinking about doing this uh, short intro for a long time, but I was kind of shy because of my uh, accent. But anyways, I wanted to thank you, man, for your um, podcast, your books. I'm in the middle of uh, Civilized to Death right now. And uh, I just finished listening to your uh, podcast with Tony Perotet. And um, you were mentioning that um, that probably it was, uh, it was the reason why people had so... Uh, People had limited means that they were not glued to their phones and that people were nicer to each other and living in a community. And uh, I could say that Cuba is changing uh, very fast. Five years ago, people didn't have cell phones. There was no Wi-Fi hotspots, but now they're everywhere and everybody's glued to, to their phones. So, yeah, it's not good. Thank you, Jack, Chris, and Ricardo. <clears throat> very good to hear from all of you. If you would like to send me uh, a brief voice message recorded on your phone, send it as an MP3 to intro at tangentiallyspeaking.com. And uh, I'd love to hear from you, know what you're up to. Well, here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I don't know what to say about this. It's a, it's a strange time to be alive. I guess it's always a strange time to be alive, but feels stranger than ever feels like things just keep getting weird um you know i was thinking i might have spoken about this on the podcast in the past um but you know i like to repeat myself um i i feel like the earth i don't know if this is a metaphor if this is a serious idea so bear with me but i remember when was it uh, a few years ago, I think the I was watching the Super Bowl. I think it was the Falcons and the Patriots. So those of you who are sports nuts will know exactly what year I'm talking about. I think it was two, three years ago. And the Patriots were behind maybe 28 points uh, at the beginning of the fourth quarter. It was a blowout, over, done, forget about it. And they came back and they won the game. The odds of that happening were infinitesimal. Uh, Any way you slice it. And yet it happened. And when that happened, I thought, so much shit, so much stuff that is impossible is happening. 
What's going on? And, you know, I know there's a, a change in perspective as you get older and, you know, you look at things um, in a way that is, I don't know, I guess you look at things against a larger context and it changes your perspective. It's like climbing a mountain. The the stuff you're seeing stays the same, but your perspective changes, so things look different. And I'm I'm always trying to be conscious of that and and remember that, you know, perception is very much dependent upon where you are. And so as life changes, of course as as my life changes, my position in life changes, of course things are gonna look different to me. But then things are different. Things do change. You know, you're looking down from your, wherever you are on your climb up the mountain. And, um, you know, the fact is that there are weather patterns happening. There are various things going on down there, um, that actually are changing. So I remember when, I was sitting in Portugal, maybe out of the year 2000. And, um, I remember this one, uh, and the, uh, the election was deadlocked between Gore and Bush. I was watching that play out and I thought, wow, this is so strange. This is the kind of thing that can't happen. How does a national election end up in a virtual tie? Uh, this is unprecedented. And then, of course, I would say because of, of corruption, uh, Bush ended up winning the election and then 9-11 happened. Like, oh my God, this is unprecedented. How can this happen? And then I watch as the United States just stupidly stumbles into these wars in Iraq and Afghanistan for no good reason, making no sense whatsoever, but just through mass manipulation uh, of the population the United States acquiesced and now trillions and trillions of dollars have been lost many, many lives, total destruction of countries and economies and families for nothing, absolutely no benefit whatsoever to the world, to the United States. The only, only beneficiaries of that are arms companies. And not even the people who work for arms companies. That's the thing. The companies themselves. Ah. I tweeted the other day that all this makes much more sense if you think of companies as an alien life form who have come down to the planet and we never really see them as, as they are. You can't. How do you see a company, right? There is no, there's nothing to look at. You might look at a building where there are offices where people work, but that's not the company, right? The company can rent another building and move next door. So the building's not the company. The, um, the advertisements, the branding, well, that's not the company. Think about an ad for, you know, whatever some Archer Daniels Midland or some pharmaceutical company. Okay. Let's call it uh, profit driven pharmaceutical. So you see an ad and it's, uh, you know, somebody in a laboratory wearing a white coat with a clipboard and, um, you know, they're walking around and they're saying, you know, we here at profit driven pharmaceuticals are working night and day to make life better for you and your family. Okay. Let's unpack that. First of all, that's not that scene. That's that's a set. That's not an actual laboratory where anyone's doing anything. So that's false. The actor who you're looking at is not actually a lab technician. That's an actor who uh, was hoping he would be in TV shows or movies, but all he's getting at this point are ads like this. Uh, he's chosen because he looks vaguely like a sort of good-looking, scientific, nerdy guy. Might be, uh, might be a nerd, but he's actually kind of hot. So, okay, let's go with that guy. Square jaw. Um, the person writing the lines is some guy who went to 
Brown University, graduated five years ago, was hoping to be a novelist, but he got offered a job at an advertising agency because his girlfriend's father works at the advertising agency, and now he's working there, and he's writing this bullshit copy that he fucking hates, but he's making six figures, and he doesn't have the balls to actually write the novel, or he suspects he's not really that good of a writer after all, so maybe this is the best he can do, and he's drinking too much and using too much Coke because his life sucks, but... He's writing this copy and it's being used and what the fuck. Maybe he'll have some kids. That'll make him happy. Or not. So the words are written by someone who's never been to a laboratory, never even been to this company. The actor has nothing to do with it. He's just an actor. The lab is just a set. The people walking around in the background, they're just extras. There's nothing true in this ad there's nothing real it's a hundred percent bullshit including most importantly the message profit-driven pharmaceuticals is not working day and night to make life better for you they don't give a fuck at best they don't give a fuck about you and your quality of life and more likely they actually don't want you to have good quality of life because If you are healthy and happy, you don't need them. And the fact is that these corporations only exist. They only thrive by selling whatever the fuck it is that they're making. And in the case of pharmaceuticals, they only thrive if people are sick. So if they're making some kind of diabetes medication, the last thing they want is for you to eat healthily and get enough exercise and lower your stress so that you don't need their fucking diabetes medication. They don't want that. They want you to be sick. If they're making chemotherapy medications, they want you to have cancer. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying that to demonize anyone. I'm not talking about anyone. I'm talking about this thing that is intangible. A corporation. I'm not talking about the people who work for the corporation. As I've said before, good people work at bad corporations. I'm not trying to demonize the people. People need to make a living, and this is the system we're in. It sucks, but you know what? I buy fucking commercial bacon, and I eat it knowing full well that pigs are tortured. So I'm not blaming anyone. I'm not holier than anyone. But It is amazing, isn't it, that our world is so shaped and so determined by beings that have no tangible presence. They don't exist in the dimension in which we do. You can't... I I saw that PG&E was convicted of... I think it was manslaughter in the fires that killed hundreds of people in California a couple of years ago because they had neglected maintenance of their power lines. So they, so all these fires that started were, were started by this company that had decided not to bother doing maintenance on these lines because it made economic sense not to. So they're convicted of a criminal offense. But what are you going to do? Who are you going to put in jail? PG&E is, you can't grab it. You can't put handcuffs on it. You can't put it in a cage. So PG&E declares bankruptcy, restructures, and continues to exist under a different name, maybe. Whatever. Doesn't matter. It's a ghost. All these companies are fucking fan. What's the word? Phantasms? No, fan. Phantoms. They're phantoms. So I know I sound crazy. And every time I try to explain this, or I think I told the story when I included some, some of this in the manuscript for sex for uh, civilized to death, my editor Ben was like, "Hey, you sound like a lunatic on a street cl- corner. Uh, you you got to take this out." And I agree because, yeah, it's it's an idea that deserves 
or demands, I think, uh, careful explanation explanation. Otherwise, you sound like a lunatic. But if you look at what's going on in the world and just, you know, suspend disbelief for a minute and say, okay, corporations are alien life forms and a bunch of people are working to advance their interests because they pay really well. There are these alien life forms that have a lot of fucking money. They have almost all the money. And so if you want to feed your family, you got to serve your corporate life form master. And if you look at politics, the Republican Party is totally in the service of these aliens. And a good part of the Democratic Party is in the service of the aliens. Nobody's really representing us. Humans, you know, organic in our meat bodies. They're working for these ghosts. So fucking strange. Anyway, I had a whole list of things here that I was going to talk about, and uh, that wasn't even on the list, which is how this shit happens. It's just spontaneous madness. Um, So let me start going down the list. Um, First of all, uh, a guy, uh, let me find his name here. I don't remember his name, but he made a video, uh, Mr. Sadaka, He made a video of um, me and Joe Rogan having a picnic, which is so fucking funny. He just, you know, he pulled the audio off uh, our uh, one of the podcasts we did together where we're talking about airplanes and like, (laughs) I don't know. It's just, it's really silly. Uh, I would encourage you to check it out. If you go to YouTube, uh, just search, uh, Joe Rogan, Chris Ryan, have a picnic or Rogan Ryan picnic. That'll pull it up. I'll also put a link obviously on uh, the show notes for this episode. Um, but it's well worth checking out. Um, another thing I wanted to talk about was I'm doing a book giveaway. Um, I just sort of, I think I might've been you know, tweeting after a couple of beers the other night. And I thought, Jesus, there are people stuck at home, uh, worried about where their next paycheck's coming from, bored out of their minds. Maybe I should give away some books. So I tweeted a thing saying, hey, you know, basically what I just said. And, uh, you know, if you don't have, if you're tight on cash and you got some time and you're interested in reading Civilized to Death, let me know. I'll pick a person a week and send a book out. And, uh, yeah, like a lot of people, um, responded and a few people responded and said, Hey, that's a great idea. I'll, you know, let me buy five books or, you know, I'll match you, you know, whatever. And, um, so I'm, I'm going to give away more than a book a week. I've already given away three or four, I think. Um, but I didn't post it on Instagram and I, I just on Twitter and I thought I'd mention it here. So if you fall into that category, I'm going to, uh, have my mom send out uh, Civilized to Death and also Tangentially Reading. Uh, she's got uh, a bunch of those in the garage. Um, so if you're hanging out and money's tight, let us know. Uh, I guess you can you can write at uh, um, info at tangentiallyspeaking.com and we'll get it there. Or you can just uh, send something through the contact uh, form on my website. Um, yeah, let us know. Now, if you've got plenty of cash, please don't, you know, take advantage of this. It's an honor system thing. Um, like just about everything else on this podcast, I really would like to send these to people who can't afford them, you know, can't afford a hard copy book. And, uh, I think, you know, it's costing me 20 bucks a book for the, the book and the postage. So, you know, please, uh, only if you actually need it. Um, but yeah, I want to send some, some of those out. So there's that. And, you know, make sure you let us know which book you prefer civilized to death or tangentially reading tangentially reading, as you probably know, is excerpts of some of my favorite conversations from this podcast in the first four or five years, lots of Rogan and, uh, Duncan Trussell and, um, Oh God, who else? Gabor Mate, uh, Rick Doblin, Andrew Weil, Neil Strauss, um, uh, Casilda, mm, several others. 
uh, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember everyone on the cover. And all the art was done by a guy who listens to the podcast. It's uh, it's a wonderful book. I always forget to promote it, but it's it's really beautiful. And um, also, I should say, with this book giveaway, um, oh, U.S. only, please, because we can't afford the, the postage. It's like 15 bucks, 20 bucks to send to Australia or Europe. So we're going to keep this just in the U.S. Um, but, of course, you can order these books. Uh, Any time from my mom, as you know, uh, at the website. Okay, another thing I wanted to talk about. There was an article in Mother Jones by a historian by the name of Patrick Wyman, W-Y-M-A-N. Um, really interesting article. Uh, let me pull it up here if I can find it. Yeah. It's called, How Do You Know If You're Living Through the Death of an Empire? Um quite interesting. I highly recommend it. I'll put a link to it um, on the show notes as well. But if you go to Mother Jones um, or just search Mother Jones, Patrick Wyman, W-Y-M-A-N, it'll come up. Um, and he, he makes a really interesting point. He's a specialist on Rome and uh, you know obviously knows a lot of the details on what happened with Rome. But the the main point of his essay is that when you see the crumbling of an empire, you're, it doesn't happen the way the narrative holds. It's not that, um, you know, there was an invasion and that's what, you know, the Visigoths or the, the barbarians or whatever brought Rome to its knees. It's not, um, you know, the lead. It's, it's always multifactorial. And the the thing that shines out in history, because we tend to, you know, think of history as a series of events, the event is just the thing that called attention to all the little um, weaknesses that had been accumulating over the years. So he doesn't use this metaphor, but I think of it as like, you know, if you have if you have termites in the house, the termites are eating away at the foundation and the the structure of the house over years. And you might notice, oh, there's this weird dust that I keep seeing in the corners, and um, maybe it creaks more at night when there's a little breeze or something. And so the house is being eaten away, and it might take years, it might take decades, and then. One night there's a windstorm and the house collapses. Now, the way you might tell that as a historian is you would say in the year 1724, a terrible windstorm knocked over this house. But that's not really what happened, right? What happened is, you know, from 1722 when the termites first got there, that house had been weakened and weakened and weakened and weakened. And then this windstorm that really wasn't bad enough to knock over a strong house knocked over this house. But it's because of the termites. It's not really because of the wind. But history says it's because of the wind because that's how history works. So what's happening right now in the United States, as if this is, you know, the end of empire, as I've been saying for years, is a result of the accumulated decadence of the country, of the culture. And by decadence, I don't mean drinking too much wine or having too much sex. I mean, you know, World War II, um, Companies were producing whatever was needed, whatever the government told them to do, um, and they were selling it at the cheapest possible price to keep the company running. If anyone tried to profiteer, um, they were considered to be the scum of the earth, <clears throat> and they they you know had serious risk of being driven into bankruptcy because people would be disgusted by that. Now, if you're not profiteering, you're a sucker. If you're not getting the highest price you can possibly get, you're a sucker. Um, if you're not a hedge fund manager, you know, pulling in billions of dollars for doing essentially nothing, 
nothing that has any value to the culture at any rate, well, you're, you're a sucker. Uh, you know, get it. Get it while you can. I mean, the greed is good. Remember that Michael Douglas thing from the Wall, movie Wall Street? Greed is good. Uh, we have become a culture that believes that. Um, and so you have, you know, these Republican senators selling off all their stocks, making millions of dollars when they knew that this virus was going to be a shitstorm, but they were still telling Fox News and anyone who would listen, oh, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Meanwhile, they're calling their broker saying, sell, 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 sell. Are those guys going to prison? Doesn't seem like it. It was a one day news issue. Now it's gone. Richard Burr was the the main one that that came up. And then there were some others, a senator from Georgia, a woman, I forget her name, but her husband's the chief of the New York Stock Exchange. Gee, wonder if she had any inside information. So that's what I'm saying is that what we're seeing now, the collapse, the rapid collapse, the collapse of Wall Street, the collapse of trust in government, the total incompetence in terms of responding to this pandemic, the the chaos in hospitals. This is not a sudden thing. This is a result of years of decay, years of termites eating away at the fundamental structure of American society, the fundamental decency um, of American society. And you might say, I was never decent, man. And and I get it. Yeah, it wasn't decent what was done to slaves. It wasn't decent what was done to Native people. Uh, it wasn't decent what was done to so many aspects of the society. But there were changes that occurred in the 30s, 40s um, under FDR in response to the so-called Great Depression, um, where at least there was a, a general agreement that we were a community and that people deserved things like social security, um, medical care for people over 65. Look into the New Deal. That was an important change in American society, a swing of the pendulum away from rapacious capitalism, you know, make it or fuck off, to we need to take care of old people, we need to take care of starving people, we need to take money and build infrastructure and put people to work, give people opportunities, um, you know, give returning soldiers opportunities for um, obviously health care, but also educational opportunities. These things all came in the 30s and 40s under FDR. And it's been the business of the Republican Party and the right wing since then to try to undermine and destroy those things. Um because corporations don't like helping normal people. Uh, corporations only want to help themselves. So uh, what we're seeing now, I hope, is another crisis similar to the Great Depression. And I hope that the response will similarly be to recognize the value of community, to take care of one another, and to demand that government responds to the needs of the community. All right, I've been talking for a while. Let me play some music for you. This song is called Watch It Fall by Billy Strings. A reader sent it in to me and said, hey, I think you'd like this song. And that, re that not reader, a listener. And that listener was right. Thank you. Uh, I don't remember who sent it, but I, I appreciate it. And I do like this song. So check it out. This is Billy Strings. The song is called Watch It Fall. <music>
We still can't seem to work this out And you can still pretend And these tattered walls and burning bridges Quickly start to fall How long until there's nothing left at all I've been to California, man I've seen them city lights Been stranded in the desert Scorching days and freezing nights And I'll never understand why People try to walk so tall How long until there's nothing left at all Don't you love what you got used to Where we used to feel so free Won't you wait a while in silence, love Watch it fall with me To the core With Wall Street skimming from the till While no one minds the store And how could someone get so low In a building so damn tall How long until there's nothing left at all While chunks the size of Delaware Are falling off the poles Our heads are buried in the sand Our leaders dug the hole Hooked on fossil fields heading for a draw How long until there's nothing left at all Don't you love what you got used to Where we used to feel so free Come and wait a while in silence, love Watch it fall with me That we're asked. It pulls up from underground and leads us to the past. To a place that's long forgotten when we had enough for all. How long until there's nothing left at all? what you got used to don't we all yeah but sometimes what we're used to isn't the best possible option uh and we can do much better so maybe that's what's happening right now i sure hope so uh some other stuff i wanted to recommend to you because i know a lot of you are sort of sitting around wondering what to do Uh, i've been listening to some podcasts Uh, my buddy kyle tierman just posted a conversation he and i had uh, a couple of months ago so if you're interested in some non-coronavirus conversation, uh, you can check that out. Sort of, a, Kyle and I always get into good conversations. He's, you know, we it's interesting um, kind of bookends. You know, he's just turned thirty. I'm almost double that, and um, he's a lot like what I was thirty years ago. Uh, so I I resonate with him in in a lot of ways. Uh, very earnest and, you know, passionate and energetic. And it's great. It's great. And there's no right, no wrong. Um, 
but we're definitely looking at things from two different perspectives that uh, I think complement and inform each other. So anyway, there's that. And then, um, yeah, if you dig Kyle, you should check out the podcast he did with his dad. Uh, it's maybe one or two episodes back. Really interesting guy. Uh, he's been around uh, the block a few times and he's, he's got a lot of wisdom. Uh, I would, you know, if you're short on time, jump to the second half of it where they, they go a lot deeper. The first part's more about his sort of career and famous people he's known. He's a documentary filmmaker and he's done a lot of interviews with interesting folks. His Muhammad Ali anecdote is really interesting. Um, but anyway, that's a, that's a really good podcast. Another podcast I've listened to, I've been doing some driving recently, by the way, so that's why I've been listening to podcasts, is um, it's called The Knowledge Project. Um, the host is Shane Parrish. And the episode I listened to is with Dan Ariely, who's um, a psychologist, research psychologist. Um, he did a, a famous book years ago called uh, Predictably Rational. And no, no, predictably irrational. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he does this kind of stuff looking at sort of unconscious cognitive processes that um, lead us to do things that we think we're doing intentionally, but in fact, we're being tricked. So there's a lot of stuff about, you know, tricks that advertisers use. Uh, uh, marketing, you know, bullshit. Like I remember one is uh, like if you have, if you're trying to sell cameras and you've got like a, a lower end camera and a higher end camera, uh, most people are going to buy the lower end one uh, just because like the, you know, they don't they think of themselves as frugal and they, you know, ah, I don't need to pay all that money for all those features. I don't really need all that stuff. But if you add a third camera, even more expensive that doesn't really have that much more, but whatever, make it another color, or add a couple more features or whatever. Then most people will buy the one in the middle because now it's the moderate choice. So you want to create a moderate choice, even if you don't really need to, because that will sort of move people toward that middle ground. I, I saw that when I was setting up my Patreon thing. You know, people were advising me. They're like, I said, okay, I'm going to do like a five, 10 and $20 thing. And, and people were like, no, dude, do 50 and a hundred. I'm like, who the fuck's going to give me a hundred bucks a month to do a podcast? That's crazy. And they said, yeah, no, that's not the point. The point is you put a hundred and then some people will pick 50 because it's not the top thing, but it's in the middle somewhere. And it's like, fuck, that's that same psychology. Makes sense. Um, so yeah, it's weird. I mean, I, I, I would never send someone a hundred bucks a month to do a podcast. I don't know. I don't care how rich I was, but, um, but if you want to, I would certainly accept it. Anyway, that's, um, the knowledge project, um, Dan Ariely, A-R-I-E-L-Y. And, uh, another, it's, he's super smart. He's a really smart guy. Um, and he's really interesting to listen to. And the added bonus is that at the end of the podcast, when Shane asks him what he's reading, he says, oh, I'm reading this really interesting book called Sex Before Dawn. It's all about uh, prehistory of human sexuality. <laughs> so he got the name wrong, but uh, he talked about the book for a while, which was really cool. Uh, all right. Why don't I play some more music? I've got four tunes I want to play for you. So uh I hope you like music. If you're not into music, uh, then you should probably stop listening now because this is going to be music heavy from now on till the end. All right. This song is, uh, this is a, this is an REM song, uh, that, uh, is not very well known. And you know, those of you under what 40 probably haven't even listened to REM. They were big back in the day, but, um, anyway, this song's called how the West was won and where it got us.
sampled in rap tunes <clears throat> if, if you recognize that from a rap tune send me the the reference because i love that that da, 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 da. it seems really hypnotic to me and perfect to be sampled in in a rap song um anyway yeah that's how the west was won and where it got us by rem in spain everybody calls that band rem because in spain they don't say the letters in acronyms so the CIA is La Thea. They say Thea in Spain because it's T-H and it's Spain, Thea. Um, you know, they say uh, UCLA, they say UCLA. <laughs> it's pretty funny. It took me a while to figure out what the fuck they were talking about. Like, yes, si me voy a UCLA para estudiar. I'm going to UCLA to study UCLA. Okay. Um, so I guess... In the normal podcast, I'm going to start doing remote interviews. Uh, you know I hate it. I think the last one I did, 
was with um, a professor from uh, Notre Dame. I can't remember her name right. Darcia, Darcia something. Um, she was an expert on raising children, a psychologist, really interesting. And I was just so frustrated because there were these delays and, and the awkwardness. And um, now I was living on a sailboat at the time, so I didn't have the best Wi-Fi connection. Uh, that could be a problem. But after that, I was just like, fuck it. I'm not doing any more of these. I'm just going to do them in person. And shortly after that, I moved to L.A. So it was possible to sit down with a lot of people and but now it looks like uh, we're back to, um, you know, isolation, at least for a while. And uh, so I'm going to start doing remote interviews. The, the good thing is that it opens up possibilities, um, you know, huge possibilities in terms of who I can have on now because it doesn't matter where they are in the world. It's just about, you know, connecting um, so if you have some uh, requests, I, I see requests for guests on the uh, Reddit um, forum, uh, which I encourage you, if you are familiar with Reddit, uh, check out the Tangentially Speaking forum. It's uh, a lot of good people on there, really good ideas. That's where I first saw that um, the video of me and Joe, somebody posted it on there. The creator actually posted it on there. Um, but I drop in and answer questions and, uh, you know, chat. So, uh, that's, uh, a place that you could throw up some, uh, guest recommendations. Um, and, you know, try to keep it people who you think would actually be willing and interested in talking with me, right? Like, you know, Prince Philip, I don't think so. Um, you know, I sometimes get, um, people saying like, yeah, you should have, uh, you know, I don't know, Sam Harris on the podcast. He, I should, but I don't think Sam Harris wants to be on the podcast. So, you know, there's, I've reached out to him a couple times. Um, but if you have someone, uh, who you think would be interested and isn't like insanely famous, um, and even better if you have a connection to them and you could do an introduction or something, but anyway, thought I'd throw that out. Uh, other stuff I've been doing, I've been, I don't know if you're if you're into music, uh, a really cool thing is NPR does this thing called the Tiny Desktop series where musicians come into the offices uh, of NPR and I don't know what city they're in, Chicago maybe. But anyway, they're, they're, they come in and they play behind this desk and you can see, I mean, it's legit. They're at the office. And so it's a very informal um, environment. It's, it's like, they're just playing in your living room or something. And it gives you, uh, a sense of the artist that's, that, that might be very different from what you would get in a video or concert footage or whatever. Um, so I, I like to check, check that out. A lot of the artists, I don't know who they are. Um, you may, but some of the ones I've watched recently that I really enjoyed, there is one, uh, with Sting and Shaggy, uh, playing together that I thought was really great. There's one with um, Coldplay, the, the guy, Chris Martin, I think his name is, at a piano and then like a dozen backup singers behind him and they really get rocking and, and beautiful. And he's, I'm not a big Coldplay fan. I don't really know much about the band. In fact, um, I get them confused with, um, oh, what's that other, the band with the two brothers, who are always fighting the Ian Gallagher. I always get those two bands mixed up for some reason. Um, but he, Chris Martin just looks like he's having so much fucking fun uh, playing there. It, it's beautiful. Um, and the other one that I really enjoyed that I just have watched recently is Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. Macklemore and Ryan Lewis did that song thrift shop, which is like, I don't know makes me want to dance, makes this old white boy want to dance that song every time I hear it. Um, but again, very infectious, like those dudes are having a good time. And uh, yeah, so here's another thing that I'm doing. I'm baking bread today. I just, I rolled up the dough and it's rising in the kitchen right now. Um, you might be wondering, where the fuck are you? What kitchen? What are you talking about? I thought you lived in a van. Well, yeah. Gave up the apartment uh, in Topanga 
And the plan was to spend the winter in the tropics. You probably know this. A friend of ours was in an accident, uh, came back to hang with her. She's better. Um, a couple of weeks ago decided, okay, let's jump in the van and head to a remote location, get away from all this craziness. Um, and so now I've rented a house in uh, rural Colorado and just hanging out here, sort of laying low. So I'm coming to you from a tiny town in rural Colorado. Um, kind of keeping it on the down low is to the exact location. Um, and I'll tell you about why in another episode down the road. Um, I've got plans and uh, you're included in those plans, but not yet. It's sort of a, it's sort of a thing where, um, you know, the people in my inner circle, uh, are, are, I want them to have a chance to, uh, participate in, in this project, um, before I open it up to anyone else. So, um, you are in the medium circle, unless you're a personal friend of mine, in which case you're in the inner circle and you already know what I'm talking about. But if, if you're, if our connection is only through the podcast, then you're sort of in the medium circle and you'll hear about it before anyone else, before total strangers, but not quite yet. Anyway, uh, I'm baking bread, which is a very, um, satisfying thing to do. If you've never done it, uh, give it a try. It's super easy. I mean, there's nothing to it. Salt, yeast, flour, water, time, and an oven. That's about it. Uh, and it is really satisfying because of the, the process. It, you can't hurry it. And uh, so it fills up a day or two days. The The one I'm making now, the, the dough's going to sit in the fridge for at least 18 hours. So it's, it's a several-day process. And there's something relaxing about that. All right, let's play another song. This is, you've heard them before on this podcast. I really like these guys. Um, Hermanos Gutierrez uh, are their names. I think they're they're from somewhere in Latin America, obviously. Um, but they live in Switzerland, in Geneva, Switzerland, I believe. This song is called Ocho Años. I find their style to be so relaxing, uh, really good if you're just chilling out, baking some bread. You might want to throw in some Hermanos Gutierrez.
All right. Hermanos Gutierrez, ocho años. Um, yeah. So other things that I would recommend for people who are stuck at home right now, read a book or read short stories. My, one of my favorite short story writers, there were years, there's probably five years maybe where I read nothing but short stories. Um, I find the, the form to be really interesting. Um, just very satisfying. Maybe it's because I don't have the attention span I used to, or uh, I don't know the, the, the density of it. The fact that you've got to sort of do the whole thing in 10, 15 pages, uh, is it, it creates, um, it's, pack tighter and it i just love them anyway so some of my favorite short story writers flannery o'connor fantastic um uh raymond carver um ernest hemingway has some great short stories um but i think one of my favorite short story writers for sure may, i can't say the favorite but a guy named tobias wolf is just such a good writer um one of his stories is called The Liar, and I think that is one of my top 10 favorite pieces of literature. It's it's probably 10 pages, but um, I think it's in the collection called In the Garden of the North American Martyrs or something like that. Um, anyway, check him out. He has some novels that are fantastic as well. His Vietnam memoir is called In Pharaoh's Army. Really good. Um. There's some really good Vietnam literature, by the way, from the war uh, that you might not be aware of. There's a, a book called Dispatches by Michael Hare that's just fucking amazing. H-E-R-R, -R, I believe. Um, it's, it's sort of written in this style and language that no one writes in anymore. Uh, it's got the musicality of the late 60s. Um, fantastic book. Anyway, good time to, to, you know, listen to some, uh, read some books and listen to some records. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, like how, when I was a kid, uh, and, and past being a kid, I, well into the time I was living in Barcelona. So that was into my thirties. Like one of the things I enjoyed most was to get together with a friend or two, light up some candles, smoke some joints or bong hits more likely in those days and listen to music. You know, we would listen to album sides, um, or individual songs or sometimes a whole, a whole album and just chill out there and, you know, really listen. So the music's turned up. There's no conversation. We're just listening to the music together. And there's something so, bonding about that. I remember that there was a guy named Phil. I don't remember his last name, but he was an English teacher in Barcelona. I met him early when I first got there. So it was like 1990, 91. And Phil was a character. He, he was a real interesting guy. Uh, shit. Some, uh, so, uh, one thing I remember about Phil is he had no interest in learning Spanish. It was like, he was just, he wasn't in Spain to be in Spain. He was there just to teach English and save some money. And I don't remember what his plan was, but he had no interest in learning Spanish. So he learned, uh, he had one phrase that he said all the time, which is es igual, which means it doesn't matter. So you'd be out with Phil, you know, in a restaurant or cafe or something, and he'd order, you know, uh, vino. And the waiter would say, tinto blanco like red or white and phil would say es igual okay doesn't matter so okay the guy would bring him whatever you want a rioja you want a prirorat with what kind of what es igual uh chicken um fried or baked es igual he didn't understand what the waiters were saying so everything he said was it doesn't matter which uh, is an interesting way to get through life. Anyway, Phil and I used to hang out and listen to music together. And I remember the the one song that we would listen to over and over again was Red Rain by Peter Gabriel. 
And man, you turn down the lights, you turn up the volume, and you lie back and listen to that song, and wow, it takes you places. Um, if you're not familiar with this stuff, I highly recommend it, or uh, Dark Side of the Moon, just listen to the whole record. Give yourself 45 minutes or whatever it is, put on some headphones, turn out the lights, and just let yourself go into it. Um, amazing amazing experience all right that's enough for me i've been talking roughly for an hour now Uh, i'm gonna play you out with one of those songs that's just i don't know like you know cindy lopper okay girls just want to have fun silly 80s whatever 90s i don't remember when she was big but she has the song time after time it's one of those songs that's just magical. It's somehow, it's just packed with some sort of spiritual richness. And Miles Davis, the great jazz trumpeter, noticed that. Now, he didn't cover a lot of tunes. I mean, I guess he covered jazz classics, and but he didn't cover a lot of pop songs as far as, I'm, as, far as I know. Um, but he covered time after time. And he just did such an amazing job. He really, um, he really touches the resonance of this song so beautifully. So I'm going to play you out with the great Miles Davis covering time after time by Cindy Lauper. I hope things are going well for you. And, uh, you know, remember, even if we can't hug each other physically. We can't, we're trying to keep the physical contact to a minimum. We're still in touch. We're still a community. And I'd encourage you to, uh, let people know that you love them. You aren't forgetting about them, especially older people who might be cooped up alone. I mean, they're already dealing with all kinds of social isolation in normal life. So this is just making it that much worse. Um, think of people who, might be feeling really cut off right now and reach out to them and uh, just tell them that you're around, you remember them, you love them. It's a time when uh, we really need each other. So it's good to be in contact with all of you. Thanks for listening. See you soon.